You'll know that when our Savior came into this world the first time, the Jews rejected him. They wanted a political leader to fight their battles for them. But because the Lord Jesus Christ came preaching repentance, saying he was God in the flesh, they despised him, wanted nothing to do with him. And as we know, they ended up nailing him to a cross. Oh, we also know that he had come to die for sinners. That rejoices our hearts. But the Jews in their blindness failed to see that he was the deliverer they needed. The sad report of John 1.11 is, he came unto his own. His own received him not. Regrettably, the Jews were so tied up in their own ritualistic religion. They had no space for a gospel that required them to acknowledge their sinful condition. And so, nor did they want to hear about this need for repentance. And that's something that's not really preached enough these days. But they they were above that. They, They repelled the Son of God, wouldn't have him, didn't want him as their Savior. And of course, Christ is still rejected across this earth today. His gospel's despised. And many have all sorts of excuses for still not accepting him. But the bottom line quite simply is men love their sin too much to have anything to do with Christ or his gospel. But the hope of the gospel is where the believer's concerned, he's going to come again. I one day not too far from now he will come in, the, in his power and glory to bring with him what will be the ultimate destruction of this sinful old world. And this world is going to wonder what has hit it. It's such a privilege today. Beloved, never lose sight of it. It's such a privilege to belong to the Lord, to know that your name's written in heaven, that your sins have been blotted out. That is a privilege. And to know that you're kept by his mighty power. And our hearts go out to the millions of men, women, and young people who don't care, don't know about this Savior. And no matter where you go, you see people walking the streets, driving the roads, going about their daily business, and there's dark as night. They have no idea what lies ahead of them as they live without Christ. And what a day it will be for every soul when they're brought to stand before Christ as the judge of all this earth. Those who have campaigned to to have preaching done away with. Don't they want us off the streets? They don't want open air preaching. Haven't they taken the gospel out of the schools? Now look at the rubbish they're polluting our children's minds with. What they're pumping into impressionable young minds today. It is diabolical. The world doesn't want Christ or his gospel. Isn't it striking that they'll rob the children of the right to discipline? And then when they end up in prison, they'll give them a Bible. If they would let them have it in childhood, they might avoid prison. It'd be different rejoicing to hear this morning of 31 children professing faith this past week or two in summer camps. That rejoices our hearts. Thank God he's able and he's interested in children. 
there are so many out there. Uh, and if God doesn't open their eyes, there are parents who are literally rearing children for hell. They don't realize it. It is time for God's people to be much in prayer for them. Concerning the end, Joel 3.16 states, The Lord shall also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people. Aren't you glad you're saved today, beloved? You're numbered amongst his redeemed. This chapter in Matthew 24 deals with matters that are going to be seen on the earth prior to his coming. Now, we're not big into prophecy. And we haven't time to go through it all. But just a couple of characteristics I want to notice here that are referred to in this 12th verse. Firstly, the conditions. Verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax gold. Now, what our Lord is saying here is, before his appearing in the clouds of glory, conditions will prevail upon this earth that will be characterized by lawlessness. Well, you don't have to go far, do you? We saw pictures in the paper of the, the footpaths in Belfast after the 12th of July parade. Did everybody say anything like the litter and the rubbish that was left lying? What sort of mentality have people? That's lawlessness. You don't want to keep the law. Simple, can't even put a bit of paper in the bin. Lawlessness. That's, that's not to, to, to think of the thieving, the murder, the awful goings on in in some places, I even in this, we're seeing things in this province today that a generation ago we never would have dreamed possible. This nation of ours, this, this province, is on a very sad, slippery decline. God is shut out. People don't want him. No God, then there's no right or wrong. Isn't that where we're headed? Isn't everybody being brought up now? They can do their own thing, live as they please. And you know why this iniquity is to be found among the ungodly? And here's the worrying thing. It will be such, it is such, as will affect God's own people. And this is what's so disturbing. The love of some Christians, this verse says, is going to wax colder. 2 Timothy 3, 1 reads, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now that word perilous means furious, difficult, dangerous, reducing in strength. Are we not already living in furious times? Aren't, aren't some people on this earth so bitterly opposed to Christ they can happily take the life of a Christian? Isn't it so that Many believers' lives are in danger in certain parts of this world. And it's getting closer to home. Life for some is, being, is made exceedingly difficult. You think of believers. We talk about the suffering church believers in places like China, Korea, India, Mexico. Well, it's true that down through the centuries the church has passed through uh, periods when people took their eyes off the Lord and did that which was right in their own eyes. Yet God always came in great mercy and drew his people back to himself. Through his wonderful grace, God has sent seasons of refreshing. And uh, people have known times of revival when their hearts were once again set on fire with love for him. 
beloved, is this not the great need of this hour? Haven't, had we been living in the days of, let's say, Queen Victoria, we, we would have experienced something of the heights and depths of God's matchless grace shed abroad. History shows that those were God-fearing, God-honoring days when people had respect for the things of God. People loved his word and obeyed it. Men, women, and children lived in a manner that was pleasing to him, even among the unsaved. They had respect for the Lord's day. That's sadly missing today, isn't it? I can remember as a child, the first time on a Sunday, a lorry drove past our house. I hardly slept that night. Couldn't believe what... Somebody would bring a lorry out on the road on a Sunday. It was unheard of. Where are we today? You know, God hasn't put us in the Victorian era. We're here now in an ungodly 21st century when conditions are just the opposite of what was enjoyed back then. Iniquity is abounding today, has reached a, a, a fearful pitch. It would almost seem that some men just can't be wicked enough. And we sometimes wonder, how much lower can mankind sink? You think of all this business of gender issues. The corruption that's abroad. People, people just flying in the face of God as if there was no God. They delight in sin and all manner of wickedness and love to have it so. Morality is at very low ebb today. And sin is flaunted publicly. People come out in their, their hundreds, maybe thousands, to, to, to show off to the world, I love my sin. And anybody dare to stand up for Christ and you're ridiculed and scorned. Ah, but God has called us, his people, into his kingdom for such a time. As this, we may fondly dream of Victorian times. It's not happening. And the effects of all the sin that is so widespread is that God's people are in danger of gross contamination. And worse, we're in danger of losing sight as to why God has us here at all. Prayer meetings in some churches are struggling to keep numbers up. I've had the privilege of being around quite a number of our churches this past 12 months. And everybody has the same complaint. The numbers in the prayer meetings, it's the faithful band, the faithful few. But what about the rest of God's people? Well, I know you can be, some may have legitimate reasons why they can't get to a prayer meeting. But must some not confess that there's a, just a lack of interest a carelessness? How many are content with Sunday morning only worship? And it's the same complaint in every church. So people are not going somewhere else to worship. You read Numbers, the book of Numbers, and you'll find the Lord required a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. Bad enough when iniquity abounds, we expect that among the devil's crowd. There's not much we can do about it, only keep praying for God's gracious intervention. 
But when the love of God's own people for him grows cold, there's a great deal we can do about it. Prevention's better than cure. And if you're already smitten with this cold, beloved, I say with the greatest of respect, for your own good, for the good of your home, your family, your community, and the good of the church, get back. Get back to where you belong. Oh, it's easy to blame COVID, isn't it? We can always find an excuse for not being in God's house, for not walking with the Lord. I know there's a, a thousand and one things to occupy our minds these days. But everybody's affected. This word iniquity, it means lawlessness. Isn't that what sin is? A violation of God's commandments. So they want to tell us these days that we've moved on from there. The commandments are outdated. King Charles said not so long ago, the Ten Commandments need to be rewritten. Why? I think they need to be reiterated. And it's time that people started to abide by them. Well, this world thinks we've moved on. We're above that kind of thing now. And that notion, well, it's a false notion. It's the breaking of God's law. And man is still accountable to God. God doesn't change. God doesn't move on. Iniquity can and does abound, but when the Christian's religion is strong, when every believer is walking in close fellowship with his Lord, and he's reading his Bible every day, earnestly seeking God's face for his blessing upon himself, upon his family, upon the church, upon the nation, that close fellowship will go a long way to restraining men from going into sin when temptation comes. Temptation comes to every believer. But he must resist it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that the promise of God's word? God has us here as his witnesses. But if our love for him and his word and his house and his people, if that's allowed to grow cold, well, we can't really, we'll not be as ready as we should be to fight off the great adversary of the soul. When men are slack about the things of God, they leave themselves open for the devil to get in. And he'll make havoc. You can be sure of that. Every believer needs to be exceedingly vigilant. It's not just the preacher's job. Remember, a man said to me one day, and I asked him, what, what evening is your midweek prayer meeting? Oh, he says, we don't have a prayer meeting. We pay the minister for that. Heaven help us. You know, if the athlete never trained, he'd be totally unfit to run his race. Well, the same principle applies to the people of God. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How often do we hear those words? Beloved, the closer company you keep with your beloved Savior, the better equipped you'll be to resist the devil and the various temptations 
he sets before you. Make the keeping of God's commandments a matter of paramount importance to yourself. Don't listen to the devil when he tells you, oh, you need to go easy on yourself. Don't, don't give heed to his lie when he tells you you're putting yourself under too much strain trying to walk with God. I know the Lord doesn't expect anyone to be doing everything. But he does expect everyone to be doing what he can. You've got to use wisdom, of course. No point running yourself into the ground. But you know, the Lord's work, the, the church, it's often said the church is full of willing people. Those who are willing to do something. And those who are willing to let them. There's something for everyone to do. The place of prayer is for everyone. When man's love for God diminishes, iniquity begins to come out into the open. Do you know what? Before you know it, shame is no longer shame. Sin is no longer seen as sin. And even God's people may get carried away with the spirit of the age. Isn't this happening now? How, how many Christian ladies have, have abandoned the head covering? God's word hasn't changed on that. How many men and women ignore God's command not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is? So much more as you see the day approaching. Is this not part of the falling away? The love of many is waxing cold. I'm glad to see you in God's house today. I rejoice that you have the desire to be here. But beloved, just it, it doesn't do any harm. To, and the preacher is included in this. We all need to examine our own hearts and make sure we're not allowing something to take over our affection. Materialism is an awful blight these days. God's people can be affected by that. Some are so comfortable there. They have no concern about souls that are perishing all around them. What's love? It is not what a Christian is. It doesn't say that the faith of many is waxing cold. It doesn't say it's their zeal or their trust in God in his word, but love, love for Christ, for who he is. Love for his word, love for the Sabbath day, love for the people of God, love for the souls of men. How many of God's people today they just sort of live from week to week and think, where we'll go for our next holiday? Where will our next weekend away be? I know we all need to come apart sometimes and rest a while. But our first priority is our walk with God. What should be found in the innermost resources of the Christian's heart? Love for him. Why do people not want to talk about it? Do we associate love with that ecumenical drivel they have in charismatic circles. Is that why people don't want to talk about it? Jesus said, My son, give me thine heart. You done that, beloved? Where is your real heart today? What has priority in your heart? The love of many shall wax cold. Our Savior had to say to the church at Ephesus, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, 
And thou canst not bear them which are evil, and so on. And that's commendable. But, he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. To the church of the Laodiceans, God said, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold nor hot. But because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. I don't want to sound too blunt, but it makes the Lord want to throw up. A lack of love for him. Challenging, isn't it? Isn't lukewarmness just the opposite of love? David said in Psalm 12, verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful feel from among the children of men. Help, Lord, for the godly men that used to love to seek thee in prayer are disappearing. They're dropping off the radar. They're not standing with us anymore. Well, we recognize that Christians have to face struggles in this life. Nobody's exempt from this. And such trials as we have to contend with can cause the heart to become faint. This is not about losing heart. This is about, it's not about seeing your faith tested. This is about your love for Christ. When your love for him waxes cold, that's the beginning of apostasy. That's something we need to guard jealously against. The other thought here is, the reason for this loss of love. And it's given here in this 12th verse, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say because of the prevalence of sin that this love will be lost. Look at verse 11. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You see, you notice that. It's the result of a lack of teaching. False messages. There's no doubt that we live in a, a climate of sin and ungodliness. Can't help but see it. It's everywhere. But beloved, many of God's people are not only not being taught how to walk with God. But sadly, in some places, many of God's people are, are, are being led to believe that it's all right just to do your own thing as long as you're convinced and you're happy with what you're doing. People are being taught that it's all right just to go with the flow. Would you apply that principle to salvation or to living as a true Christian should? It simply rules out the need to walk in obedience to God's word. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Verse fourteen: The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Isn't that where many are at today? Why well, don't do anybody any harm? I attend my church, I keep the law, I pay a hundred pence in the pound, I deserve a place in heaven. That's, that's not the way the Lord works. Beloved, a saved person is not his own. 1 Corinthians 6.20 reminds us, you're bought with a price. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're not our own. Not here to do as we please. It just means the child of God must live and walk in obedience to God's word. And the simple solution to that is it brings joy and blessing and peace to the soul. Psalm 1, that man hath perfect blessedness, who walketh not astray in counsel of ungodly men, nor stands in sinner's way. Walking in obedience to God is not bondage. Rather, it brings glorious freedom. Why is there so much unrest today among Christians? Why are so many leaving this denomination to go to other places where there's less emphasis on the preaching of the word. Do they just want to be entertained? Do people not want to walk with God? Is this not a day of easy believism? Well, what's the result of such behavior? You have it here in this text. The love of many shall wax cold. How many play safe today just to keep the esteem of the world? We had the Belfast Marathon back in, was it May? Run on the Sabbath day. Some churches set up stalls on the side of the route to offer refreshment to those who were breaking the Sabbath. What sort of a testimony is that for a church? Encouraging people to break God's law. That's outrageous. Maybe some of God's people are finding life as strained in these days where we are living in a war zone. Sin abounds in every hand, but are we going to allow ourselves to be brought into despair? Must we not look up since our redemption draweth nigh? We said already our Savior's return is getting nearer every day and everything points to his near return. Beloved, don't allow circumstances to get you down. But rather look up. Grace doth much more abound. As Romans 5.20 reminds us. Let every believer strive to make, make use of that grace that the Lord gives. And, and determine to walk in sweet fellowship with your Savior and Lord. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your children. And don't we owe everything to the Lord, my son, give me thine heart. Oh, beloved, must we not pray for a breath of revival for our own souls in these days? Men or women are being taught it's, it's all right to be caught up in the, some of the goings on in this world, things like happened yesterday. This is the kind of behavior that's taking people away from God. And when somebody asks you what you mean when you say you're a Christian, if you say it, it means I love the Lord Jesus Christ because he died for me and he's taken my sins away and I, I, take, I trust him, I love him because he's my savior. People look at you as if you should be locked up. We do belong to heaven. But how many of God's people are embarrassed at having to 
own up to the fact that they do belong to him. Beloved, ask the Lord for that needed grace. There'll be young people starting back to school soon. I've been there, and especially in the high school. It's, it's, It's exceedingly delicate ground to betraying if you belong to the Lord. I I know you own Christ before the rest of the class. And you may be laughed out of the place. You'll need much grace. But pray for it. God has promised, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't let people take you away from the Lord. If you have to stand alone, ask the Lord for the grace to do it. Or maybe it's in the workplace. My grandson's girlfriend started a new job, I think just last week. And they they had a staff meeting. uh, And some some details were set out as to what they expected her to do. And what they were expecting her to do involved... uh, trading with the, the liquor industry. And she put her hand and she said, excuse me. Now, she's only started this job. She said, I, I can't do what you're asking me. She says, I'm a Christian. That would be against my beliefs to do that. Oh, they were all taken aback. But she took her stand. And they've made arrangements for her to do something else within the company where she won't have to be involved in ungodly surroundings but she took her stand at the first that's the best place to do it no point waiting till you're there a number of years and then trying to tell people oh, i didn't know you were a christian take your stand from day one and the lord will bless you and he'll, he'll give you that needed grace you know the, the fear of consequences yes can be a hindrance to owning christ In some parts of this world today where believers have been imprisoned, even put to death for witnessing their devotion to him. But in this part of the world, would you play safe just to keep the world's esteem? Or do you love Christ enough to bear his reproach? Ah, It's a contest, isn't it? But what's going to be the outcome of the contest? Matthew ten thirty three. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Beloved, if you're struggling, if you're in a battle, and we all are in some senses, ask the Lord for the grace to own him. But surely if you love him, won't, that, won't it come automatically? Won't it be easy for you? How much then do you love him? When we think of it, you and I are full of imperfections. Christ loves us in spite of us. We fail him so often, yet he still loves us. It's easy to denounce the false prophet, isn't it? It's easy to stand up for the authorized version. It's easy to pick holes in certain ungodly people, but what matters with us is where is your heart? You know, the heart of many problems is the problem with the heart. 
The only antidote to a cold heart is to get back to the warmth of God's word and fellowship with himself. We have an eternal union with Christ. Because we are in Christ, our communion can come and go, but let's encourage everyone to keep close to him and to each other. Fellowship is important. And if somebody's watching from home today, we'd much rather see you in God's house. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's precious. We all love to sit around an open fire in the winter months. Something very heartening about looking into the grate and seeing all those coals glowing red together. But take one out with the tongues and set it on the hearth on its own. It doesn't glow very long on its own. Sure it doesn't. In a matter of minutes, you'll be able to lift it with your fingers and set it back in. But when they're all there together, oh, what warmth it gives. You break out on your own, beloved, you very soon lose that bright glow and your fire will go out. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Yes, there's much sin all around us. And we mourn the state our land is in. But, beloved, there's, there's something far better for you. And you keep close company with your Savior. We've quoted the words already in Romans 5.20. Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Let us strive, beloved, to make use of that grace that is available to us. And determine to stay close to our beloved Savior. Cry to God to recreate in you soul thirst after himself. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your children. And don't you owe the Lord everything. My son, give me thine heart. You do that today? Would, are, you, are you ready to surrender? And give yourself afresh to him? Pray for young families to become interested in the things of God. God hasn't changed. Don't allow the ungodliness of this age to so affect your heart. that It turns your heart away from the Savior. Pray the Lord to rekindle the fires of love within your heart. Walk with him. Enjoy his blessing. Let him bless you. And let him make you to be a blessing. That'll encourage your heart. And it'll encourage other believers around you. I, I trust the Lord will, will indeed encourage your heart in these days. To walk with him. To seek him for that fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon you. Pray, Lord, set me on fire with love for thee. The Lord be pleased to do that. Bless you and make you to be a blessing. The Lord bless these few thoughts to our hearts today. Let's turn in closing, please, to the hymn 464. 464, simply trusting every day through trusting through a stormy way. 464, we'll stand together as we sing.